to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. <laughs> the Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Hello, welcome. You're watching Arlem TV live from Florida. And uh, my name is Rebecca. This is my husband, Brandon Barthrop. Hey, guys. And you're watching Arlem TV. I have a verse I'd like to share with you today from Zechariah. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Amen. Amen. I got a verse today, too. This yeah. is uh, Zechariah 3, verse 2. And Yarevave said to Satan, Yarevave rebuke you, Satan. Amen. Amen. That's a great verse. <laughs> that is a memory get verse. A double portion of that released into Amen. all the air. Bam. Amen. So maybe make that your memory verse this week. If you're memorizing Bible verses, Zechariah 3, verse 2, and the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Amen. Can't get enough Amen. of that Bible verse. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, that one is anointed. That yeah. brings so much joy there. <laughs> yeah. Bless you guys. Amen. Mm. The oral tradition of Moses says that the Zadik, the righteous one of the generation, which I believe is the chief apostle of the Lamb in every, in every generation since Jesus Christ for 2,000 years, there has been a chief apostle. And Rick Joyner reiterated that in the Final Quest series, and he said God has anointed and sent into the earth kings from heaven in every single generation since the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. So most people don't acknowledge them. They're usually the most persecuted, but they advance the kingdom. And so I believe in this generation, there will be a people that can attach themselves to God's appointed and anointed leadership who have his character formed in them. Listen, the Lord isn't so much holding people incredibly accountable until the character is formed. Because when the character is formed, it's accountability to God. As it's written, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Accountability of the Holy Spirit is accountability to God. That's 1 Corinthians six nineteen. So anyone not accountable to the Holy Spirit inside human beings' bodies is godless. And this is where you deal with all the bewitchment of the false church of Edom. They have no accountability to the brothers and sisters, they actually pick and choose what their itching ears want to hear according to soulishness that comes in the guise of Christianity, but it has nothing to do with the plans and purposes of the Holy Ghost in this generation. Guys, they've existed in every generation. It's not just this generation, but you've always had, listen, in the, the genealogy of the first uh, generation, you had Enoch and then another person named Enoch. It's like they had the same names in the pre-flood. So you had Cain's sons and daughters copying and mimicking and stealing everything from Seth's sons and daughters, God's anointed seed line that Messiah was prophesied to come through. And he did, and he died, and he rose from the dead, and now he's with us by his Spirit. Not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of Jesus Christ declares the Lord. And so we have his spirit in our hearts. Therefore, if we can acknowledge that spirit, all these other spirits that cause confusion, 
division factions the magic spells listen god will eradicate that stuff if we can have an intimate relationship with the lord our god by the holy ghost indwelling us and understand the holy spirit is equal to the father the holy spirit is equal to jesus christ third person of the trinity leads us into some truth the bible says all truth and he will lead you the paraclete i will send another helper and he will lead you into what did jesus christ say in the red letters all truth not some truth not partial truth not partial vision not seen dimly as though a reflection in a mirror he'll lead you into the throne room to be face to face with the father okay that's the holy spirit's purposes for your life and we just need to know him that well we need to follow him that closely we need to see him in people other than ourselves we need to begin to trust and what does the bible say submit to one another out of reverence for christ you don't submit to the demons and people you don't just submit to husbands and wives because you read it in the bible it has to be god you can only submit to god if you're submitting to satan to sin to male or female matriarchy patriarchy and it's not holy ghost you're submitted mm -hmm. to the devil repent amen right it seems like Everyone who's not submitted to YHVH, the angel of the Lord, they're the ones who typically are going to be submitted to demons, and they usually will want you to submit to demons and be accountable. Well, are you accountable? They want you to be accountable to demons. They don't understand they're being augured by sorcery and demons. So have grace and forgiveness for people, but do not submit to their demons and that demonic agenda because the people are ignorant. They're largely ignorant of the fact. I have always seen, now it's 18 years of full-time ministry, the wicked, the godless, the pretenders, imposters, the hypocrites, the play actors, they always want you to submit to the earthly Sanhedrin, but never to the heavenly Sanhedrin. They say, who is your accountability? Where is your board of directors? Where is this, that, and the other thing? And they look for it in the earth and guys, we need that in the earth as long as it's filled with the Holy Ghost because that actually through the Holy Ghost in the earthen vessel is the connection to Shekinah in the heavenly Jerusalem. But what I have found is they want you connected to the false Sanhedrin, to false government. They want you submitted to Caesar. They want you submitted to the old cult rulership of the fallen angels. And most Christians are connected to that system out of the pressure of the false earthly government and you had a false earthly government in the days of jesus you read about in book acts they were killing they killed james the first week of christianity the brother of john who wrote the gospel of john the bible says in acts they murdered him the first week who murdered him the sanhedrin of the earth the sanhedrin of the dust and the dirt hell so we can't submit to hell and walk with the god of heaven Nope, you'll love one and despise the other. You need to understand the difference in these days. And it needs to be separated in you. As you're consecrated on the inside, you begin to discern between the two systems of government. There's two governments at work in the world right now. And Bible says, of the increase of the government of the Mashiach, there shall be no end. And the increase of his peace, his shalom, there shall be no end. Therefore, that is our government. That government comes in our obedience to the word of God for the laws for the wicked we have ourselves in a much higher standard of obedience to the god cre who created the heavens and the earth 
and now indwells our hearts through faith in the gospel that Jesus Christ and his apostles preached, the foundation stones of the heavenly Jerusalem, the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Amen. And we want all of you listening at the sound of my voice to have your names written on living stones in the building of that heavenly Jerusalem, in the building of the Father's kingdom over the earth. It's available today. We need to learn how to live in the heavens and to rule over the earth. So there is a hatred for wickedness of the false that rules over the earth. It doesn't mean you hate men and women. You can't do that. Jesus Christ said you can't do that. We don't hate men and women. We hate evil. It is righteousness to hate evil spirits. You can hate demons as much as you want. Carte blanche anointing for the hatred of the devil. And God has just given it out to everyone who can not stand him or tolerate him at all in any area of their life or their house or their business and I tell you the truth, the Holy Ghost put a magnifying glass on every area of your life to see when the enemy comes, does he have anything in me? That's the Garden of Gethsemane. That's one of those gemstones, that big ruby stone of the final quest that was in the mountain of the Lord. When he picked up that ruby stone, Rick Joyner looked into the Garden of Gethsemane. Not many go into this garden. Guys, we got to go into that garden. That's the garden where you get really delivered. That's the garden where your humanity gets crushed out of you and his divinity gets pressed into you like a wine press. And it's a wrath of the Almighty towards everything else that's not exactly Jesus Christ. We can't have any lesser Jesus, any different Jesus, but the same Jesus Christ of Nazareth who is crucified under Pontius Pilate needs to be entirely filling our hearts and overflowing in our hearts with the power of his resurrection. The sign that we're walking with God in these days is the outflowing power of the resurrection. Last night I had the craziest dream of my entire life. Crazy good. It started out with getting struck by lightning. And then there was translations, teleportations all over the earth. It was like the impartation and the awakening of all the angelic ability of what the angels have been doing for thousands of years. And I began to walk in it in the dream. And it was, it was so tangible. It was the most realist dream I've ever had in my life. I can tell you it was a destiny dream. For an hour after waking up, it felt like I was infused with energy. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. She had an incredible dream last night too. And in the dream, there was the ability to heal all the sick. I mean, if there was terminal people being brought to me and one touch and they were cured. That was so wild. The energy and the lightning of God that was surging through me in this dream. I mean, I could feel it tangibly. There was a residual of it when I woke up. There was the translation and there was the moving around and then the missions. So it was three main things. That started out in the dream. It was the baptism of lightning, getting struck by lightning. Then there was the healing of the sick that was on just an, another level. And then there was the translations, the moving by the Spirit at the speed of light all over the earth. And then there were the missions of the Father. And the, the will of God was known as like CIA operative missions. These were special ops, special operations, missions like you'd give to a CIA agent. That was doing the will of God. That was the next level of understanding the will of God was the missions to do these different things through translation and healing all over the earth. 
Then I found myself in the dream on a big 747 jet full of people with Barack Obama sitting in the front row. So I walk up next and sit next to Barack Obama and begin to speak wisdom into his ears. The righteousness of the Sephirot, the very gospel, like preaching and teaching with a great wisdom that God has formed in me right into his ear. And as I was speaking wisdom of God into his ear, Barack tried to touch the back of my head. He did. He like touched the back of my head like this. And he tried to use the kelepot, the clippeth ability of sorcery, to make me forget these new angelic abilities. And for our scribes, remember, that's the Dalet. That's the doorway. That's, you know, your Matrix, if you're a movie watcher, Matrix plug-in. And that's real in the spiritual realm. And that's why you want the blood of the lamb over the doorpost right here in the back of your head, the back of your neck. And that's also where the knot of the tefillin is is that protects you that's binding the word of god the tefillin you have the one that it's for the heart the left arm gevra and then for da'at and it's the back here the knot of it covers that and that's what keeps that word in place so i'm speaking wisdom into barack obama's ear in the front row of this jumbo jet and he's he's touching the back of my head like this and i knew it was the confrontation of the sorcery of our generation and i looked at him right in the eyes and i said that doesn't work on me And I completely conquered him by my wisdom. And I got up after the total victory, but he was very calm. It wasn't an aggressive wrestling like with former principalities. It was very different. It was peaceful and it was quiet and it was orderly. But it was total direct confrontation with high, the highest level sorcery of the United States of America. And for our scribes as well, uh, Barack Obama's level in the Klippith is Black Chaya level. So that seventh world of the enemy Kelepot. So after I finish the meeting with Obama, I go back to my seat on the jet. Obama is up in the front, maybe 15 rows in front of me or so, 20 rows in front of me. He stands up and he's boisterous and he's loud and he's, he's complaining and arguing into the air and to those around him who listen to him that the clippeth powers that he's been trained in don't work anymore. Hallelujah. And it was directly because of the sons of God wisdom that had been spoken into his ear. And I believe that didn't just happen in the dream. It was so angelically real. real. This is a confrontation on the East Coast of the United States of America with these people's angels directly. Okay. And then I, I woke up after that and I was infused with the lightning from the dream for an hour. And it was so real to me. I'm like kind of going to test it out. Can I really do all this stuff that I dreamed about? And I heard the audible voice of the Holy Spirit inside the temple. And he said to me, I first form character inside you. Then I add my power. He was showing me the character because of the circumcisions all the way up eight worlds into the Yachita of Adam Kadmon, that now my character is, is enough like Jesus Christ at this level that he can entrust me was some of this power of the age to come. Amen. Amen. And just like we were talking about a little bit today, that the Sephirot, maybe you have a picture, I think one of our built-in pictures that they can see the worlds, maybe the one with color if possible, if we have that. Yeah, this one's good. This is a good one. This is the Sephirot. And here's another one, picture here. So as you ascend worlds, so... Uh, let's go back to the one that's in a line here. Look at them stacked on top of each other. That's Jacob's ladder. That's the divine nature, the divine DNA of God being formed within you through circumcisions. This Sephirot, 
and there's just a few more above absolute. This is that's just the limitations of how high the actual sapphire stones go. Once you go past world seven, again the training wheels come off. You're in the multiverse. You go through the door just like you went through the door of Enoch to enter into the cosmos. You enter into the multiverse through a similar door at the top, and that is the you know you go through the blood of the lamb who was slain and you step into that higher world of primordial man again there's a 10 weeks of enoch 10 worlds why is it 10 well you see you have seven that's the number of you know perfection so why is there a little bit more well enoch wrote about it because he was shown all these things plus when you have seven you have eight nine and ten all matters in Torah are established by two or three witnesses. So you complete seven, and then you gain three full witnesses. So there's no room for any error or argument at the end of it because it's not just established by one witness, not just two witnesses, but the full Torah prescription of three witnesses, which are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's the Spirit, the White Rose, the sun, the red rose, and then the father, the pink rose. Three witnesses crowning your seven-week Torah. And then, you know, rejoicing in Torah, the crowning of Torah. And that's the crowning of Keter, the ten weeks. And the Lord said, this is your power line. You know, not long ago, we were walking back home from dinner. And I want you to understand this because when you hear all these things... These miraculous, wonderful things, many of you have heard. Some of you might even have promises that God's spoken into your life and hinted at in dreams and visions about the powers of the age to come. Right? We've talked about why the Torah and the New Testament lost some of its power in the church age. Same thing happened in the Old Testament. Why did that Old Testament lose some of its power in the Old Testament? Because part of it flew away. Why? golden calf idolatry so we talked about old testament golden calf and then i think it was yesterday brandon talked about the new testament calf golden calf we talked about that yesterday yeah um you can see that book which is the the holy scriptures if you carry that book <laughs> down in the valley of the shadow of death i mean you're operating in a down payment a deposit i mean less than one percent of its ability first john chapter five says the word of god's not even on the earth so I don't even know what that is, but God doesn't even call that the word. You know, Pharisees call it the word, but Jesus Christ and his apostles don't. Once you go up and stand on the higher rungs of Jacob's ladder, the Bible says in the heavens is the word of God. So when you're standing on sapphire stones, holding the Bible, using the word there, then you begin to see the word work in all of its power. Amen. Do we still have, maybe you can look to see on the pictures, if we still have a picture called mountain ranges. Yeah. Uh, in here because I want to establish this very clearly for the listeners because for those of you who are listening and you are bound and determined to become a son of God I think it's another one here or maybe there's multiple oh yeah okay this is what we're looking for what I want you to understand I know we've looked at this before but come with a fresh mind be renewed in the spirit of your mind right you are going to operate now we command in the spirit of your mind, the renewed mind of Christ. This is what 
I want you to understand. This is what the Lord wants you to understand. When you're talking about the valley, that space in between these two mountain ranges, we're talking about religion and the valley of decision. You're deciding which side you want to choose to serve. Now, the Sephirot, that's the character being formed in you. That's the circumcisions of God's nature. So when you go up, you're going and growing in authority. That's exousia that Bob Jones talked about. Growing in authority. Now, there is some power increases, but what you notice in a lot of charismatic Christianity and a lot of glory stream Christianity, people are hungry for the gifts and the power, and that's not necessarily a bad thing unless you don't have God's nature through circumcision formed in you. Why through circumcision? Because the circumcision makes it a more permanent change. Right? In the book of Enoch, in chapter 44, it talks about becoming like that creature of lightning who can no longer part with their new form and they're forever changed. We want to go for the forever change, not just temporarily making a decision with external discipline and trying to maintain that through sheer willpower without circumcision, because that's an easy way to end up in the clippeth. So here you have people going after power, miracles, signs and wonders and healings like the Pharisees who opposed Jesus. They cast out demons too. They did miracles. They believed in all the angels and all these things. But what was the difference? They didn't have the circumcision of the living word. So when you are looking at people getting into Christianity and power, they want power. On the left-hand side, that is the mountain range of Satan and Satan's religion. They offer naive believers a lot of power without discipline and change of character. That's why they become like Nimrod hunters with their prayers because they're going for power, miracle signs, wonders, and healings, but apart from the character. And that's what's so important, and that's good, about the vision that Brandon had just shared is that God is doing this because of character building, character forming, right? He has accurately, with evidence of circumcision, repented up eight worlds, like he's in the eighth world of Adam Cadmon now. Let's talk about that for a second because I know everyone deals with the frustrations of their growth in Christ, which is the crushing of the inner intelligence and the inner character. What we look for in our carnal nature is our nefesh soul is strong and our ruah soul is very new and weak and often influenced by evil spirits unknowingly just because of the immaturity and the lack of training, a lack of academy of the word of God and the protocol of the holy angels. It is the crushing of the old on the inside is where you find so many Christians discouraged and frustrated. Listen, guys, you're in the process. You only make oil through crushing the olive. Amen. You have to extract oil or to emanate oil. The olive is crushed at a higher pressure than even grapes are crushed to make wine. And still, when you crush the olive to make the oil, it is not edible at that point. It has to go through further refinement for ingestion. 
Whereas crushing the grape, you can drink it right away and it has benefits, which means the anointing is a continuous crushing, even a crushing after the oil is produced from the olive. That is the, the picture from the scriptures of the internal character of Christ being formed in us. Now, Amen. I've been doing this a long time. Most believers don't appreciate their inner man, their soul getting crushed. You know, like, oh, I go to church to get my soul. No, I go to church because I need a hug and some fellowship because I'm lonely. Tell well, me I'm doing good. Listen, man. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. You know, God bless you with the blanket and all that, but it's time to be soldiers. And there is a comfort in obedience. What you're looking for is the crushing of the inner man for the production of the anointing oil. Christ means the anointing and the anointed one. Not just the anointing. Listen, you don't just get the anointing and you don't go after the anointing. That's what the foolish virgins are doing. You go after the anointed one. It's the anointed one's character on the inside that the oil comes out. And the oil is for light, and that's the light of the Spirit, which produces light in all the souls, and also transfer that light into the health and the mental well-being of the human body. So Amen. the anointing is what saves you from the entire curse of the fall, but it's not this external anointing that the foolish virgins were trying to get. It's right, foolish virgins stealing oil. Yeah. It's produced through our own internal crushing by being willing volunteers of his cross on the inside, which means completely changed. A person who engages in Torah is engaging of the change of the inside from their culture, their earthly surroundings, their norms, their likes, tastes, wants, and desires to Jesus Christ in heavens. If it's still earthly on the inside afterwards, there was no engaging with the word of God. Nope, it was, it was fake. It just went soul deep. It never touched the spirit. But when it touches the spirit and crushes the soul, the soul becomes transformed. This is why Revelation says, Dash the nations to pieces like potter. Who can do it? The ones who are already dashed themselves. This is portrayed in Mary of Bethany when she dashed her pottery and poured out the sacred oil, the most expensive perfume in the, in the, in the whole world, which was Himalayan nard, which in today's equivalent is worth about $75,000. Ten years ago, they say it was uh, a, a several years wages of work right a lot of people <laughs> it's very popular to want to study that kind of mary of bethany you know the, the adoration the feels and it's all just a lot of emotional fluff it's all about just what can i read from my oh oh i feel i want to be yes that emotional oh, idolatry yep but it's literally, harder. it's how about that the, to actually do that? You'd literally have to go to your bank account and pull out $75,000 and lay it at the apostles feet. Otherwise, right. it's not even real. It's just fake. That's what she did. It's witchcraft Christianity. <laughs> so I can feel, oh, I got on my face in, in prayer. The fragrance of fake. that wealth, that opulence that was given to the Messiah is what drove the demons crazy. It's not just the mushy gushy with Jesus. That doesn't drive demons doesn't, crazy. They don't They're care about that at all. Love. It was the sacrifice of the finances, if you read the Bible, that drove the devil nuts. Immediately, the Bible says, Judas Iscariot got up from that environment, ran to the Pharisees to see how much money he could get for them by betraying the Messiah. Amen. So you need to put 
the Mary of Bethany story, the, the nard and all of it in context, it was very much financial. When you're involved in false Christianity, you don't talk about the money stuff, right. the financial stuff. We don't, we don't go there. We just talk about false love, kumbaya, kumbaya, and, you know, hugs and drugs and the drugs are the glory and blah, blah, blah. And just everyone trying to feel good. Listen, man, there is sacrifice. There is obedience. There is crushing. That whole story is about the sacrifice of all the natural realm and everything that was valuable to that woman and giving it to God. And Jesus said, what she's done has chose is the choosing of the greater portion. And it wasn't for orphans. It wasn't for the poor. Nope. Everyone else. I'll that's tell you the truth. That's what Satan wanted it for. Right. Yeah, that's literally what Satan, Satan said was. Satan said, we'll give that to the poor. That's what the devil said. Yeah, that's what Satan said. <laughs> so if that's your reaction to what looks like a waste of money on Jesus, because look about, look at it. Everyone else in that room thought that it was a complete financial waste of money. That money just, it evaporated. It disappeared the moment she poured it out, gone. What was it spent on? Something just purely external on the body, a physical body of Messiah in his vessel. It, on, it didn't mean anything to anyone that else. That has no physical value. Only value for the soul, right? Only fragrance. value for the soul because it's only in scent. Has no value for the external man. Perfume and fragrance only has value for the internal man. You know, man. I just saw a few, the Holy Spirit showed me a few people in Minneapolis. And then there's some other of you who have actually like spent a lot of money on the BB luxury perfumes. And he's like, yeah, they're like that. Yeah, they really like Mary of, of, Beth, of Bethany. Uh, there, there's the spending on the fragrance that benefits your soul. And some people are actually, they've caught on to that through that medium. Touching the financial uh, stuff perfume. is the number one way to expose the works of the devil in your Christianity. Jesus Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talked about money more than heaven, hell, faith, and love combined. And still, you, don't, you only have 3% of born-again Christians in America tithing. Only 3%. If this is not the main root issue of disobedience, of not giving the natural realm, consecrating the silver and gold to the Lord, listen, this is a delusional bunch of Christianity down here that doesn't want to deal with reality. We need a refresher of the gospel, and we need to talk about the things that the Bible talks about and put them in correct context and get the devil out of our Christianity. Amen. So let's talk about the power outflowing of the resurrection through the Sephirot, which is the power line. Uh, now that we have the, some of those things established as your foundation, we can kind of move forward with that. While we were uh, talking and walking along the way, I was having an internal conversation with the Holy Spirit about the power, right? Because we know, and many of the prophets who've talked about kingdom age have prophesied and seen a few of these things, and as I was talking to the Holy Spirit, again, internal conversation, we talked about the satanic order of Melchizedek. Now we know they can, you know, a lot of them, they can you know, teleport and turn invisible, shapeshift. They do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I know some people, maybe maybe you're watching this and that's out of your box and you barely even believe in anything and nothing. And, and then you have you know. the ones that know they're shapeshifting reptiles. Right, exactly. Yeah, like some of you are like, obviously, who doesn't know that by now? It's 2023. It's almost 2024. If you don't know that that's what the enemy is that you're dealing with, you must be like sleeping Alex under Jones a rock like pa Patrick. Okay. <laughs> all right. So after pondering about the mystery 
of the enemy versus the true order of righteousness, Melchizedek. We kind of had that conversation, you know, when, Lord, are you going to kind of turn on the power? Do you even, I know you, it's been, pro I know you're going to do it because it's been prophesied, but you, your faith grows in the circumcision so much, you almost begin to think like, do we even need it? We Beca need to pray to, to turn <laughs> you know? up the refinement yeah. on the inside. On the inside. And so this is interesting. So after we had the internal conversation, I started speaking out loud to Brandon. You know, we're talking, we're walking. And by the time we reached the second floor, where we got in an elevator, we got into the second floor of a building, explaining, you know, the Holy Spirit, he had whispered this in response to my questions about the power and the futuristic glory, you know, that everyone's excited for. We're all excited for it, but why are we so strict? We don't want you to go get power in the clippeth or go chase after power and abandon your circumcisions. Don't get distracted, right? So the Holy Spirit whisper, be faithful with the Sephirot first. It is your power line. Let's take a look at that, the picture where it goes up and down like that. And um, just so you, you scholars taking notes... This is a good one to write down. Mm. Sephirot in Hebrew means emanations. Sephirot directly translated from Hebrew means emanations. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit whispered, be faithful with the Sephirot first. It is your power line. Now I want you to see that top to bottom lightning path. If you remember on the left hand side here of this diagram, Malkut Zeketer. That line is the path that you go up. That's the lightning path of ascension. Every time you hit Keter of one world, it comes down the other side and it fills in that gap. So you see, uh, let's go to the video that shows all four of them. Once you hit Keter and it's the inscription, it fills through the other side. So you have a connecting full circuit of electric Shekinah power. This is the power grid. Okay, that's good. And uh, just to show and reiterate, Jesus Christ and Akiena. This is Akiena, age 12. The painting's called Coming Home. And the stairway, home to God, if you look closely, is the planets. Completely and totally putting heaven's seal of approval on this right here. Right. Truth anyhow. Somebody type in the comments, the Sephirot is the truth anyhow. Amen. So this is how you can establish your connection to Shekinah above in the third heaven. So 10 weeks of ascension is the conquering of the second heavens. That's the pattern of the heavens. And so 10 weeks of the 10,000 years of the fallen angel imprisonment, that sentence is carried out as man and woman ascends into and through the 10th week. And essentially what people have done in the church age to survive and draw power is you meditate or you wait on the Lord. You get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they would meditate and by faith they would translate into the third heaven. And so you get an impartation, you carry it back with you, you know, you go by faith. But it's not a lasting power connection. You have to keep kind of redoing that again and again. It's like going to get a battery, the battery runs out, you got to recharge, you got to go get another pack of batteries. You know, at this point, you can just Amazon a bunch of batteries to your house, battery pack to recharge, you know, get the batteries. But this is uh, an eternal uh, generator 
This is fusion power. Yeah, the fusion with God power, which is limitless energy for divine, uh, for the divine will in his outworking, outreigning brilliance and power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ within you, the hope of realizing the glory, which is Christ. He is the resurrection. So he is the Sephiroth, right? He is the latter. So as you get rid of what's not him and he is formed within you through circumcision, that's know him. In the Old Testament, it says he is known within the palaces. That's the interior mansions, the rooms of the castles of the sapphire stones. So as you go up and that is that connection is made, that's going to be what connects the third heavens all the way down to you on earth. It's a safe and secure connection that cuts through the second heavens and is meant to take over the second heavens and give dominion back to mankind on the earth who are righteous who are holy who are called chosen elect and faithful because on earth as it is in heaven that's why all the occultists go around saying as above so below because they know their satans have been above in the second heavens and so then they can do what they want on the earth as long as they make their satans happy not anymore it's not working anymore because we're conquering the second heavens so therefore it has to be righteousness below just like it is righteousness being formed above and that's the father's will be done the answer to Jesus's prayer, which is our father who art in heaven, you know, hallowed be thy name. And in the end he goes, you, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is how it's actually practically done. And it's through changing the character by the word of God, circumcision of heart. And so going back to that conversation, the Holy Spirit said, be faithful with the Sephirot first. It is your power line, as in it will keep you grounded when the power comes on and also supply the power. And no sooner had I finished saying power line out loud in conversation, I picked up a package. It was my package, and it said power line road. It was from power line road. Yeah, it was right there with her, and she had said power line and we looked at the package, and the package said power, power line, line on it. And it also had a 333 on it. And we are just like, what? And of course, we're on the second floor. Second heavens. You know, so it was a really prophetic moment. And uh, that is essentially also why Bob Jones, who was sent back from heaven when he died, you're like, no, nah, I need you to go back and finish. He said, I'm going to have you talk so that those who are going to be the leaders of the Great Awakening can hear your message because they need taught, they need refinement, they need the teaching. So give them the teaching. And he did his part. And what he talked about was grounding you before the power comes on. It was really the last Elijah and the spirit of Elijah, which is the, the leadership of the prophetic mantle of a generation of the earthly. It was the last use of the Elijah mantle of the earthly was Bob Jones. Now it's upon us in the heavenly, you know, they lived on the earth. We're going to live on the stars. So the use and the leadership of the prophetic now and the Elijah mantle now is for its original design purpose to get people into the heavens to live on the stars. Understand Amen. that that is what the prophetic is for. So a lot of you who really you've seen about the kingdom age and you have heard and seen and you have prophecies about you working power, miracles, signs, wonders. I mean, kingdom age stuff. The kids who go and wave their hand and you resurrect an entire graveyard. Uh, the, when a natural disaster happens, like an earthquake, and then you wait, they speak life, you know, and then it goes back to if, like nothing even happened. We're talking about huge 
signs and wonders like entire hospitals being emptied out because nobody's sick anymore everyone's fine everyone's healed that's kingdom age and i want you to understand today and know that the sephirot of jesus christ with circumcisions overcoming the second heavens through the cross dying to self for the nature of christ that sephirot is the ladder or the bridge to the kingdom age so don't focus on just going after signs and wonders or wondering why isn't it happening for me yet and then get into strange fire and you know all kinds of witchcraft nimrod prayers to attack others then you end up in the clippeth with a little bit of power or a lot of power for a short minute and then it burns and fizzles out and then you start blaming others why it was taken from you and you're just completely delusional we don't want that to be your case slow down buckwheat and do it right the first time. Get circumcised, and that's the power line. So the emanation, which is the word sephirot, of each sphere is a permanent emanation through one thing, circumcision. So what the enemy does is they have no circumcision. Remember, Esau, who represents all the enemy and all the sorcery of Babylon the Great today in the whole universe, rejected circumcision. No one in Edom is circumcised. They're no longer Israel. And yet they had the same dad, Isaac, and they're of the same generations. That's what you're dealing with in these days is that people understand now by the millions how the heavens work and how even these spheres work and how they generate power to rule the earth and how they rule the elements and how they rule the air. And so there is a principality, a power of the air, but that's generated through understanding the sephirot without circumcision that's what yep. clippeth is that's what barack obama they teach Hillary it sometimes Clinton, openly almost the all the democrats almost all the politicians of all your nations that's why they're always doing the wrong thing that hurts all the people and the christians just lose their minds because they're they're the sons and daughters of satan they are trained in clippeth sorcery that's why it's always opposing the will of god and the goodness of god the wicked will continue being wicked it is written so that's that's not your job as you practice righteousness and get the circumcisions that produce the emanations of each rung going from glory to glory, you will wash them away. Edom only has an inheritance of what it can steal from Israel. And if you look around, they've stolen everything. Now, if we're going to have the restoration of all things that have been stolen, Acts 3.21, we're going to need a people that go after the internal circumcisions because the holy angels will obey the covenant to Israel. Israel is represented today in all prophecy as the circumcision of the heart and the mind. It's the 12 tribes of Israel. It's the Messiah of Israel. Jesus Christ is the King of Israel. Israel, don't just think nation, don't just think earth, think Jacob, think the promises of the covenant of Jacob, and think Jacob as the son in Joseph's dream, because that's the reality of the principle of the light and the inheritance of light itself that causes the existence of everything in the world. So, what is Israel? The sun, light itself. Therefore, those in the circumcision of Israel possess the true light. You are a city on a hill, Jesus Christ said. So there is no salvation apart from the internal circumcisions and ingraftations into Israel. And if you read Romans 11, it says you're no longer Gentiles at all. None of you. Your ethnicity don't mean nothing. Okay, it's, 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 it's not your identity anymore. Your identity, according to the Bible, which is the truth anyhow, is Israel. 
Why? Because now you're a people circumcised of heart. Now you're engrafted into the cosmic tree of life. Now the emanations through the circumcisions can come forth and in the emanations are the angels that enforce the covenant round about you. That's why you see Solomon's marriage carriage with 60 of the finest champions of Israel round about. It represents the angels that obey the covenant as long as we're in the circumcision of heart doing the will of God with the light he's given us. You'll be surrounded with the finest warriors. If you're out here doing your own thing with your own made-up Christian religion in your brain and you're not submitted to the apostles and you just got bitterness in your heart and you're just you're lost but you're born again and you speak in tongues, you need to repent. You need to reconnect connect to the armies of the living God. You need to walk with the dread champions. You need to listen and obey the heavenly Sanhedrin. You need to be under authority for your salvation, for your benefit. It's not just an authority club so that we can boast and have authority like like the wicked, like the uncircumcised. It's not just power-hungry people. It's people in whom Jesus Christ is formed through circumcisions. It is the Israel of God people. It is the holy nation people and the elders of that nation always have the most circumcisions, which means in the Sephirot, the most emanations, but they're internal. And what you see from Esau external is the counterfeit. And it looks different on the outside because it's oftentimes just the vain glory. You know, Satan comes in the guise of Christ, which means he looks like a perfect Christian. Right, so never run after someone who's claiming cosmic glory unless they have evidence of circumcisions, which means they're submitted to the apostles of the Lamb, the Zadik of this generation, because the oral tradition of Moses, they have it recorded that even two men uh, during around that time flew like Superman in the sky, like literally they physically flew around, and it's through the Sephirot that that was done. That's how that happens. And what do we have precedent for this, at least in like kingdom age or church age teaching on kingdom age? You know, uh, one of the um, kind of the transition prophets, uh, Kat Kerr, you know, she's been taken into heaven a lot and saw different things. She saw layers of God and she saw the little gingerbread man of light, which we've taught on as well. But, you know, one of the other things that she saw was there's a man in heaven who used to be like he was in the Superman movies. He, anyway, he made it to heaven. Congratulations to him for making it to heaven. That's awesome. But uh, one of his jobs, his job in heaven is literally flying around like Superman and teaching other people how to fly around like Superman. Oh, am I just going to know everything? No. Even if you die and go to heaven, you're going to spend an eternity learning. Like people who did not learn the Bible on earth. You go to school in heaven. You learn the Bible. So you're going to learn now. You're going to learn it then. You might as well just come along, buckwheat. <laughs> come get hop in the wagon. Let's go get in the little red wagon. I'm going to take you to kindergarten. Isn't that class. the discipline? Doing the things today that we know we'll be doing for eternity. That's the Eternal discipline reward. of the disciples. So this guy, his job is literally flying around like Superman, and he teaches people how to fly. And it's not something that you just automatically know how to do, right? So... It's just like, um, that, that's another one of the things from Kat Kirsch. She saw Word University, which actually I've been there, and they have actually sponsored uh, some of our stuff here and Red Letter Ministries from Heaven. Uh, they are like the uh, teaching authority uh, for that region and um, for, you know, for the outer courts of Heaven, and I'm sure much more as well that we'll be learning about. But to get into where they show the creation, 
like how creation happened. You have to actually be a creator. So you have to learn. You have to create a door to get in. There's no door. So you go in to watch. It's kind of like, you know, like, what do what they call those buildings with the, the dome and the stars? You go in and watch. What are those called? The little, like, not an observatory, but like a, it's like a star show. They reenact, like, how, you know, the stars. In heaven, it reenacts how God created the heavens and the earth. You can watch it. Like, it, like you go in and watch it. But there's no door. So how are you going to create a door? Well, you have the divine genetics. You have the God sperm seed, the DNA of yod heh creator of the world, master of the universe. That's your dad. You know, if you're a born-again believer, he's your father. So you want to be like your daddy who created the worlds. You're going to be a creator. That's why creative power only comes down from the father of lights. That's that creativity. That's why oftentimes you'll see in this world, most of the creativity, unfortunately, is in, you know, in the world, the worldly people who just get creative inspiration and they just grab it, you know, out of the second heavens as they're coming down from the father of lights because the Christians, a lot of times, they're down in the dust and the dirt and the earth sleeping. So they're not grabbing the witty ideas from heaven. They're not grabbing the gifts, all that stuff coming down. You know, you're just asleep in religion and not having the fun and the creativity with God your Father that you're meant to have. Amen. So you want to be a creator. Not just so when you die and go to heaven, you can learn to create a door and go watch the cool thing. Uh, that's cool. But better yet, why don't you fly like Superman? If it's going to be, here's the thing. So you can get into school. So you can get fly like Superman so you can get into school. That's what I learned today at our, on our LMTV life. But realistically, if it's going to be on earth as it is in heaven... You're going to have people flying around physically. Now, let's take a look at the wisdom of Moses. The records written by Jewish rabbis, sages, and scholars that were passed down from Moses, who got it directly from God. He didn't write it in the Torah. It's all the other stuff that he saw that was the more secretive things. And then he told it to Aaron, Aaron's sons, the 70 elders. And then he would teach the whole congregation or assembly of Israel. And that's what their connection to Shekinah was, was the oral tradition of Moses. And then they would study the secrets of the written Torah. Amen. So that would reconnect them to Shekinah. So even though some of the letters flew away from the tablets because of their sin, the rectification for that was Moses who saw God and he was emanating Shekinah. Even though it was a fading glory of an old covenant, it was still glorious. And it was enough to connect them to Shekinah because he was, he was becoming one with Shekinah, married to Shekinah. That's really the, the most exciting thing of the New Testament is what Jesus Christ said, that I have an oral tradition, that the mysteries of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven I've given to you, but to them I speak in parables, riddles, and dark speech. It is written, the mysteries and the secrets, it's a greater mystery and secretive knowledge of Messiah than Moses. Right. And we don't have 1% of it written down in 2023. That'll be some of the greater works ascribing the oral tradition of the Messiah in the next hundreds of years. Amen. The oral tradition of the New Testament, which is the reconnection to the letters of Shekinah that departed when the church of the um, the church after the Acts of the Apostles and the Apostles died out. There are churches that went astray because of idolatry and immorality 
the warnings in the book of Revelation, they said, hey, this I have against you and this I have against you and Jezebel and all these other kind of things going on. And those letters departed. So that it's a less powerful covenant unless you have the oral tradition, which the apostles got, by the way, when they were with Jesus, they walked with Jesus. That's why when they were trying to choose another um, apostle to replace uh, Judas, they said, let's let it let's make sure it was somebody that's been with us the whole time. Why? Because they would have been in proximity to the lightnings of the Ark of Jesus, of his covenant. Now, why was it Paul, Paul, the true replacement? Even though he didn't get the benefit of the three years with Jesus. And, you know, he was uh, he was like a Nimrod prayer warrior. You know, he was attacking the people of God. Even if you've been in that Nimrod attacking the people of God because of ignorance and religion, you can be a Paul. You can scribe amazing things. You can change the world. You can change the world for Jesus. He met Jesus glowing and levitating, knocked him off of his high horse of religion, and that was his impartation. But I believe that's why John, John was in a higher uh, realm of holy Kabbalah because, you know, even though he, even though, you know, so the, the apostles, let me tell you this real quick. We talked about this this week. The apostles who walked with Jesus physically had the downside of familiarity with Jesus. So until he died and then resurrected, there was a little bit of limitation there mentally. And so the overcoming of that allowed him to walk in a greater power and anointing. And for John, he was really close to the heart of Jesus, right? He had his head on his chest. He could hear his heart. That's, you know, the fire rose, Tiferet, the Vav, the Berea. He could, you know, those things coming down from his holy neshama, he could get impartation. And he was with his ear. He wasn't really with his eyes looking at him too much. I think that's why he was able to go into the heavens and see that door, the open door for ascension. And they couldn't kill him because he had so much Kabbalah, you know, holy Kabbalah from Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, he had the, um, the benefit of not being so familiar with Jesus. He only knew him as the outraging brilliance and glowing fireball of a man yeah, that knocked him star form. off his horse. But he also had the downside of not being around for three years for the oral tradition with Christ. So the marriage of those two, getting the best of both, overcoming familiarity, but then being close to the heart of Jesus, having the oral tradition, and on top of that, having the encounters with Christ that God wants you to have. And then uh, one more thing I want to explain for you guys. I hope all of our students who are faithful and go up the Sephiroth faithfully with circumcisions, I hope all of you fly around like Superman, honestly. I hope you're all wonder-working and mighty power, signs and wonders, and most well bearing good fruit and bringing in the harvest of souls to belong to Jesus, to return them to the Father through the Holy Kabbalah, through the Ladder of Jacob right through the apostleship of the lamb. Now, this is the warning I want to give you because we're going to get into some mystical stuff in the future and I want you to be prepared. So listen up. If you're planning on being one of those people, pay attention because in the oral tradition of Moses, they have the written record. The two men I'm talking about flying around like Superman. One was a warrior for Israel and he understood the Holy Kabbalah and how that works. The other one was Balaam. And that was red magic sorcery. So if you don't have discernment, you've got two people, both of which look like they're talking to God, have their own beliefs. What that's going to look like in the future, 
People who say they're cosmic Christians or they ascend or they know Kabbalah or they know Jesus who have power signs and miracles. I'm telling you, even if somebody lifts off and is flying around the sky, test every spirit. One's Balaam and the other one has the zeal of God in his in the holy camp of Israel and follows Moses. They must Moses. have that mark of Israel in their heart, the mark of circumcision. Otherwise, it's all external. It's all stolen. So I want you to ingrain that in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit. When you see power start to flow out, when you see signs, wonders, healing, miracles, test every spirit and understand that the character of God the circumcisions of the Sephirot is the most important thing. Since it's so important to God in heaven, I would be leery of any ministry that's not talking about the circumcised the circumcision of the heart. What are you doing? All you're going to do is be adding Christian knowledge onto the foreskins and membranes. You wonder why you have carnal Christianity and bewitchment everywhere. They're not even dealing or transforming the soul. So, right. That's growing. That's called growing <laughs> in Satanism. And, and since this is something that God is trumpeting through his prophets, if this isn't a main and major message in a ministry, you need to get out of that ministry. They're not going to do you any good for eternity. What good is it to study the word if it's still on the foreskin or the membrane? It's got to go into the center. And this is, uh, I have a, this verse right up here because we say, where's the oral tradition of the New Testament? God said, don't write it down. That's Revelation 10, 4. And then the seven peals of thunder spoke. And I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken and do not write them down. And then you read the next verse, and, and after that it says, and delay no longer. So there's a time where it's it's revealed, and this is that time, the time of the end, the time of Daniel 12, 3, where the mysteries of righteousness, the mysteries of the sephirot, the emanations, the order of the stars, Enoch called it, and the understanding of Enoch's path become normal Christianity, as it should be in these days. So that revealing is really what causes the apocalypse. That's what causes Armageddon. It's the revealing of the path of true cosmic righteousness of the wisdom of the ages and the order of the stars and the understanding of Enoch and Elijah and Metatron and Sandalphon and where the angels have their stations on the luminaries and that being the realm of the kingdom and no longer the stuff on earth at all. And it, everything on earth will be, Revelation 12, 12, the Bible says, handed over to the devil. So we got a lot of Christianity that God's not interested in redeeming at all. And we're just sitting here defending it like that's that's God. No, it's not well, God. What church do you go to? It's like, <laughs> it's what demon overlord? That's basically like asking, well, well what, who's your demon overlord of your little cubicle church box building made by human hands where there is no cosmic ascension through circumcision? Like, why would I want to be a part of that? Yeah, God's not affected by any of it in heaven, and not at all. I mean, his creation's affected, and uh, the nations are affected, and his, the Jewish people in Israel are affected, And but we are going to clean that up. The gospel scrolls that come down from the heavenly Sanhedrin clean it all up, but we need to get it cleaned up on the inside first. So the most encouraging, important thing, the message of the circumcision of the heart and the mind, the tongue, 
everything under the skins, getting that in order for those 10 weeks of Enoch, which are 10 worlds of circumcision to, to cross the bridge. And Jesus Christ said in John 1 51, I'm the bridge between heaven and earth, which means Christ fully formed in you is the whole bridge of the second heavens completed in your hearts and minds to the very throne of God, perfectly flowing down through your bodies in all the glory of God. Go after the internal transformations, the crushing, understand the concept of the oil and the olive and the grape and the wine and how it's produced through the crushing of your character, your soul, all the things you think are good in God in your life. And if you can give it to the crushing and the discipleship of the Holy Spirit that leads you into all truth, truth that's higher than your current level of intellectualism and understanding. Lean not on your own intellect, understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, which means you're not going to get it at first, but by following him, it'll increase the intelligence of your spirit to renew your mind. That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And we're being led into the heavens to live on the stars by the Holy Spirit in these days. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth because Satan is being thrown down to you. The powers of sorcery are being thrown down. The principalities are going to be thrown down to the earth, all of them. They're not going to be in the higher rungs. They're not going to be in the 10th week, 9th week, 8th week, 7th week. All of them will be cleansed. But the Bible says, hey, Rejoice exceedingly, you who live in the heavens. Revelation 12, 12. Rejoice exceedingly, you who live on the stars. You need to understand that as the goal, and that goal is reached by the circumcisions and emanations of your inner man. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, gather around. For today, we embark on a journey of purpose and passion, a journey that transcends generations and connects us all through the power of shared dreams. We stand at the crossroads of opportunity and destiny with the chance to weave a story that will resonate for years to come. In the heart of Florida, where the sun kisses the earth with its golden warmth, there lies a vision waiting to be realized, the dream of RLM TV, a beacon of inspiration a lighthouse of creativity, yearning for a broadcasting facility to call home. Today, I am before you not merely as a speaker, but as a messenger of possibility, as we collectively turn the pages of destiny and script a tale of support and unity. Imagine a place where ideas dance on the airwaves, where voices echo with authenticity, and stories unfold like petals in a poetic bloom. RLM TV envisions such a space, a broadcasting facility that breathes life into narratives, amplifies unheard voices, and unites communities through the eternal thread of righteousness. Now more than ever, we find ourselves in a moment where the power of media can shape perceptions, challenge norms, and spark change. As Joel's army, we carry the torch of experience, the wisdom etched in the lines of our journey. It is our time to contribute to a legacy that goes beyond us to invest in a space that will be the canvas for the artists of tomorrow. Let us come together, not just as donors, but as architects of a shared dream. Each contribution, whether large or small, is a brick in the foundation of a facility that will stand as a testament to our collective commitment to Jesus Christ's holiness, scholarship, and humility. 
In the tapestry of life, we have the opportunity to weave a vibrant and rich thread, creating a masterpiece that generations to come will marvel at. Today, I urge you to be a part of this masterpiece. Let us pool our resources, not just for a broadcasting facility in Florida, but for a legacy that transcends the boundaries of time. As we open our hearts and pockets, let us remember that our investment is not just in bricks and mortar, but in the power of divine connection, in the ability of the eternal gospel to bridge gaps and build bridges that we may become the stairway from heaven to earth. Together we can make RLM TV's dream a reality, and in doing so we contribute to a cultural landscape that reflects the redemptive strength of our entire generation. Thank you for being the custodians of dreams, the stewards of change, and the architects of a future where RLM TV's broadcasting facility stands tall, a testament to the power of unity, creativity, and the unwavering spirit of righteousness in our generation. Amen.